0: You're listening to Slow Theology, Simple Faith for Chaotic Times with AJ Swoboda and EJ Gupta. We're back again with another episode, and this is going to be a little bit of a shorter one. Uh, We used to do these podcast shorts. This isn't that, but it's not going to be a full length episode. But, you know, AJ and I were talking about just kind of the world we live in that can be an echo chamber. And it's super, you know, it's funny with my kids, I sometimes compare my social media feed with theirs and mine's all like soccer and like people doing stupid things and like theology and like you know my daughter's maybe like fashion and you know this kind of thing and everyone's a little different but the world we live in now aj is where your feed is curated and i know from all these studies that social media is designed to keep you happy and clicking either they either want you outraged. It's really just two settings yeah. <laughs> they either want you outraged and, and anger scrolling uh, or they want you just to kind of have that endorphin hit by just seeing your favorite gurus, your favorite influencers um, your AJ Swoboda's and just scrolling through and being happy. And I think the problem there is the echo chamber, just kind of like being stuck in one part of the library only reading things that reinforce what you already believe and make you feel good about what you believe. And you don't really learn. I remember AJ, see every now and again, AJ, I learned something from you. And oh, I, one of my favorite insights is when you talked about serendipitous insight from yep. reading just books you just happen upon or magazine articles that you just happen upon. So when you had a print newspaper, print magazine, when you're walking through the library stacks, you just pull a book off the shelf you end up learning things that you're surprised to learn because you're just sort of reading. And we've limited a lot of that with all the curated rec- reading recommendations. So AJ, I want to throw this question out there to you for this shorter episode, just asking, we all know it's unhealthy to um, only read one type of literature, one type of author. You get kind of trapped. Uh, it's kind of like working out and you skip in leg day every time. And sometimes your legs need a good workout too. So are there tips that you have for what you read? Like I feel like me sometimes I'm just reading whatever my eye catches on social media, but that could be unhealthy. So do you have tips or tricks for how to make sure it's kind of like the old, you know, FDA recommended diet, like don't eat all vegetables. Well, Okay. Eat all vegetables, but don't eat all fruit.
1: How do you get a good balanced diet? Well, first, look, before I let me tell you my secret, or at least what what I what I think about when I when I think about reading, because that's absolutely right. We could read everything that comes in front of us and end up never reading the good stuff. Um, yeah. And I think a good reader does not just read everything that's put in front of them. They're really they're thoughtful. They're intentional. Um, just like you would be thoughtful about who you um, allow babysit. Uh, your baby you're uh, you 're really thoughtful about about how you allow to shape your mind and your heart. You need to be very thoughtful about it, um, but we need to recognize that we are all deeply shaped by the things that we do put in our head. There was a study a couple of years ago about uh, they they gave um, they had a bunch of people that normally watched c n n and they had them watch Fox News They paid them for like a month to just watch Fox News and they had a bunch of Fox News people. Um, read, uh, watch only CNN for a month. And it turns out um, (laughs) after being paid to listen to the opposite, your politics changed dramatically by how you, what you put in your mind. Um, This stuff shapes us. Whatever we put in our mind has the impact of shaping us as Paul says in Philippians, you know, whatever, make sure to think about good things, put good things in your heart and your mind, things that are pure and, and worthy. So when I think about reading, this is how I think about it. This is how I approach it. I am. Um, I think everything um, is one of five things. So when I think about what I read, there are five kinds of relationships that I have with what I read. Okay. So I have what okay. I call acquaintances, neighbors, enemies, friends, and lovers. Okay? okay. So what's what? What do these mean? So an acquaintance is is something that um, I could read, but more often than not, I just pass by and I let it go. Sure. Um, an acquaintance is like something that. Really, it's not important to take super uh, take an amount a large amount of time uh, to to give a lot of energy to. I call this ethical skimming. So it's it's the <laughs> practice of like eh, this this clearly is not worth a whole heck of a lot of time, right? And I got to tell you, there is a lot of acquaintances out there. Sure, um, I would say pretty much everything that goes across my my newsfeed, most of it is an acquaintance. I don't need to spend a lot of time with it. So an acquaintance is somebody that you pass by and don't you don't need to feel really bad about it. A neighbor, and this is a neighbor, is actually really important for those of who are listening who are in school. Okay, a neighbor is somebody, right? A neighbor is somebody that you live next to, and you have to deal with them. You you, you don't, you don't get to choose whether you live (laughs) next to them. You have to have a relationship with them. You have to. You're required to have a relationship with them. So, a great example of this when I'm in a class is a textbook. You don't get to say, "Well, I don't want to read this." You have to read it. Your grade is dependent on it. That's a neighbor and we all have to learn to put up with neighbors. We all have to learn to love our neighbors, as Jesus says. And so a neighbor is something that we have to engage in when we don't want to. An enemy, so acquaintances, neighbors, enemies, an enemy is somebody that you totally know you disagree with, yes. and you don't like their stuff, and you and you reject it. Um, an, an enemy is something that 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 you really know is not like going to be something that's going to have a deep impact on you because you agree with it. And, and so, you know, do we read our enemies? I'm going to answer that in a second. A friend is a book that I really, it's something that I know that I, I need to get into. And it's, and right. it's enjoyable and I, and I like it and it's good. And I'm, I'm getting into it. a lover is somebody that I come back to over and over and over again, almost like a marriage. Like you return to it over and over and over again. And yeah. there are a few books that I would say I've read, you know, I don't know how many times I don't know how many times I've read Thomas Schmidt's book, a scandalous beauty. I mean, it yeah. it transformed my life. I've come back to it as a lover. A lover can also be a person. Like, um, I, an Nt Wright is a is a lover of mine. C.S. <laughs> Lewis is a lover of mine. Uh, Scott McKnight's a lover of mine. You're a lover of mine. I read all I your. I was stuff.
0: gonna say you're missing a key yeah, person. We're missing here. the key
1: uh, individuals. <laughs> and a lover is somebody that you you just you dig into over and over and over again, no matter sure. how, how many times. So I think a really healthy reader has a balance of all five of those things and that we have the ability to discern all five that we know how to walk by an acquaintance that we know how to engage books that we have to deal with. I actually think it's really important that we read our enemies. I don't, you know, there's for some people they'd say, well, should, we should just burn the books that we don't like. I don't, I disagree. I actually think a good learner can learn from their enemies. I would caution you against only reading your enemies, yeah. but it is important to read your enemies Uh, And as for example, as a charismatic, I need to read some cessationists some people that don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit from time to time because they challenge me. I need some good friends and I need a few lovers. And so when I think about, when I think about what I read, I'm always trying to, on some level, engage in all five of those, those levels, but I want to always give the most influence in my heart and my mind to my friends and my lovers. They have the most authority. Uh, in in, in terms of what I think shaped me the most. So that's how I think about it. How do you think about it? Well, you know, I I think
0: we all have this natural inclination to keep our enemies at a distance for a couple reasons. One is what I call the, you know, contamination, the fear of contamination. Yeah. That if I read their book or listen to their podcast or read their blog or watch their YouTube video, I'm going to get their cooties Mm. and I'm going to have either some guilt by association or I'm going to be unduly influenced by them. And I could see where people get that fear, but then it's very easy to judge them from afar and you get this kind of superiority complex where you can just gossip and, and, and speak, speak, um, you know, rudely and crudely about them because you can keep them at a distance. I'll tell you what's really been challenging for me is, you know, I, I'm thinking of a particular person, and on paper we're like opposites, <laughs> theologically, mm-hmm. and you know from the what this person posts on social media and the kinds of things they write, like just we're opposites. But we had an opportunity to serve on a committee together, and we became friends, like professional friends. Just we see each other at conferences and work together a bit and we came to like each other on that level and in that work and that spills over into our engagements on social media and i i have a more natural appreciation for the person even though i disagree with what they're writing and it's changed how i look at the person even though i disagree with their writing i'm not put off by them yeah yeah because i know them and i know they're a really good person and they have a family and they're a good father and good husband and all of that. Like, I, 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 you know, even though I would not want my students to go to their that person's school for, you know, education, like I have a different mentality. So I think the humanizing piece is really important because we're just we're just trained. We're trained yeah. by everything. To judge and condemn that person we disagree with as stupid, yeah. evil, right? And then to read them with charity. You know, I think of the Josh Butler situation. We don't have to get into the nitty gritty there because we're, we're trying to be practical here. But I think about that and just, you know, I don't think Butler did everything right. But there's been a lot of harassment, and mockery, his direction that is unfair and dehumanizing. And that's just the name of the game. That's what trolling is all about. And so I think it's really important that we're intentional about what we read mm-hmm. and that we get out of our comfort zone. And yeah. um, I think, honestly, this is where book clubs can be really helpful and joining a book club that's going to take you out of your comfort zone a little bit. So if you're listening and you really want to practice this kind of diversity of reading, I, was, I suggest getting into some kind of book club where there's going to be a variety of books read. Yep. Uh, I'll tell you what, this comes from my seminary days. I was told, do not read Rudolf Boltmann. You know, he was anti-Christ. He was, all this stuff. Uh, And then in my PhD program, we read Rudolf Boltmann. And I don't agree with Boltmann, but his heart was in the right place. Like he wanted to demythologize the Bible and get rid. But he didn't do it because he hated Jesus. He did it because he loved Jesus. He he wanted people to get away from the kind of scientific historical questions to focus on Jesus. And I don't think that's the right way to do it, but... I I don't think he's evil for that. You know, a lot of it is the posture in which you're reading somebody. If I'm taking your taxonomy of, you know, friends, lovers, probably with lovers, like your guard is down, right? (laughs) You're just like, I'm just going to take anything you're selling. You're amazing. I love you. Like that's, you know, you just love that literature. But then if they're enemies, like, it's okay to read it. Your guard's up, but just what you're just trying to learn and understand, you're not yes. letting that book into your very soul. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And that's I think exactly. if you have different postures in those different categories, then you're not going to be as afraid. I think for me, AJ, I get afraid. Like if I read this, I might change my mind or I might this and that. And, that. and I, I think some of this pang of fear kind of creeps in, yeah. But but let's get down practicals since we're we're wrapping up here. How do you actually
1: choose the books? Well, I, I like this. this um, I've, I've heard a couple of people talk about this. My friend John Mark Comer references when it comes to disciplines. So there's a lot of Christian different d- disciplines, right? Fasting, prayer, going to church, worship, like uh, Lectio Divina, reading scripture, these sorts of things. And th- th- there's two ways to think about every disciple, a discipline. Uh, there's upstream disciplines and downstream disciplines. An upstream discipline is a discipline that's really hard for you. Um, I'll give you fat fasting for me as an upstream discipline. It's really difficult, which is probably why I need to do it because it's most difficult. Um, it is not hard for me to go to church. It's not hard for me to read scripture. And, uh, and so right. a downstream discipline is one that comes naturally to you. It's something yeah. that you operate in quite nicely. It, it fits very well with who you are, your personality. And I think that that's a really interesting way to talk about reading. I think that the majority, 75% 50 to 75% of what we read should be things that are, you could call them downstream readings. They are things that build up your faith. They build up what you know. They, they, they encourage you, they affirm, they they give you life where where there's already life. But we do need some downstream reading. We need some or some upstream reading. We need some reading that does challenge us. And if we only read everything that we already agree with, I, I would I would encourage any listener. Don't spend ninety percent of your reading reading upstream stuff, because at the end of the day, you can actually end up. Gosh, you can you can put yourself in a position where you 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 chuck your faith because you you're only reading you know the the new atheists or you're only reading uh, people that are are questioning every single little nuance of your theology. I don't think you should read everything that you disagree with, but I think that there should be some that is upstream that's challenging. So as you read, do so more discerningly don't just pick up anything yeah um if you have found <laughs> an author that every time you read them you walk away having a deeper faith in Jesus go and read everything that person has written take the next year and just read everything if you have found a book that has brought life to you read it again but f- for goodness sakes right. how sad would it be if we spend our life and end our life having read everything that was on our newsfeed, but we never spent time reading and rereading those voices that gave us the most life. How ironic that would be that we would end our life having read too widely. So I think I I don't, don't focus on, on reading everything, focus on reading, reading wisely. Right. And a couple, couple of things like
0: I've noticed just between my wife and I, like we're, we're very different. Like I am highly impressionable. (laughs) I've realized that about myself and my wife is not. And so she can read all kinds of counter stuff and it does nothing to her. Like it won't, it won't rattle her. And I'll read something that is questioning the faith or questioning something I believe. And it Mm -hmm. rattles me. Like, so I know my limitations and some people maybe don't. And so you, it's kind of a muscle that you strengthen. Right. And so you don't just go in, you know, like you were kind of saying, you don't just dive in with both feet and read all of the stuff that's going to rattle you all at once, you know, it might be something you grow and develop yes. over time. And for me, if, if it was 20 years ago or 15 years ago and I was reading a Bart Ehrman book or I was reading, you know, a Pete Enns book, Pete's a friend of mine, but he does write rattling kinds of things. If I was reading that, I would have a hard time reading it by mm-hmm. myself because it's kind of like, you know, being afraid of the dark. Like I'm going to, I'm just going to have all yeah. kinds of nightmares but if I'm reading it with someone else and we can kind of say like, ah, I don't know about this or oh, this is kind of stressing me out, like that could help. Uh, I think if it's someone, a good friend that you trust that isn't going to, you know, kind of get sucked into yes. the black hole. I think those kinds of things can help you if you're intimidated to to kind of dive into this territory. You know, you, you just got to I, I just keep going back, AJ, to this idea that you don't have to buy everything someone's selling to you. Yes you can just be really discerning and just you know just say i'm going to just learn more about the subject learn more about what people yep. think about this instead of saying i'm going to just buy what this person's selling just i just want to know what this person thinks yes. about the subject yes.
1: yep and 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 discerning their motivations i mean a really good sign to know that somebody's motivations are not all that helpful is if you hear somebody make some claim and immediately afterwards say and this is the most important election in human history the motivations of a writer is really important. Are we being manipulated by information and posts for a particular political end? Or is the motivation of the person who's writing uh, truly to build up and to grow uh, you as a human being? Yeah. So, you know, I want to I close, Nije, just with something interesting from the book of Acts. There's this um, moment when... Philip comes upon uh, a, a eunuch, an Ethiopian eunuch, he's called. And it says that the, the eunuch needed somebody to read and explain the scroll of Isaiah. Right. He had Isaiah open, and he needed somebody to, to explain it to him. And when I read that text, I'm always reminded, you know, this idea of sitting down and reading a book all by yourself is actually a relatively new idea. For most of human history, mm-hmm. when we have engaged readings, we have done it in community and it's been read to us. Um, as scripture in particular, mo- more often through church history was not read, it was listened to. I would close mm-hmm. by just maybe affirming one, one thing you said, and that is affirming the importance of reading in community and and allowing mm-hmm. the, the very structure of reading with others to, to most shape you. Um, it's good to read by yourself. It's okay too. It's good. I'm not saying it's bad. Maybe read the Bible by yourself, but don't read for yourself. Or I should say, maybe read the Bible sure. um, for the purpose of, of of growing in community, not just for you. Something, something to that effect. So would everybody read? It's good to read, yeah. but be discerning and be thoughtful and balance out your reading. Uh, listen to the dead, listen to the different, um, but also uh, read those that that affirm and and, and push you in the direction uh, of Jesus. It's certainly a, a critical function of a Christian.
0: Love it. All right. We got some good tips. Thanks, AJ. Good to talk.